0: Turn to, or scroll to, or flip to Proverbs twenty nine. Proverbs twenty nine. If you're wondering where Proverbs is, it's in the middle of your Bible. It's easy to find. Proverbs chapter twenty nine. We're going to look at verse eleven this morning. We're going to start there. We're certainly not going to end there. But today we are continuing a series here on Father's Day. It's our series called Known and Loved. I want to say Known and Loved. And this series is all about relationships. It's because we believe that there's nothing that affects your happiness more than the quality of your relationships. We also believe that there's nothing that impacts your success more than the way you manage your relationships. And so that's why in this series called Known and Loved, we're looking at nine keys to better, happier, healthier relationships with one another. Whether it's in your home, in your marriage, with your kids, with your parents, with coworkers, with classmates, with friends, with neighbors that you don't even know that well. This series is all about relationships relationships. And today, I'm here to give you guys the eighth episode of Known and Loved. Have we had a good time in our series called Known and Loved? We've had a great time so far and learned so many things. Today, I'm here to give you key number eight of our Known and Loved series. And if you're a dad in this place, I think you're going to find this very applicable to you. If you're not a dad in this place, I think you're going to find this very applicable to you. Today's message is called Anger Under Control. Anger under control. Turn to your neighbor and say, Get your anger under control. Get your anger under control. We're talking today about managing and controlling your anger. See, there are few things in life that affect the health and quality of our relationships more than the way we deal with anger. The fact is this. You might love someone to death. You might love them with all of your heart, but if you don't have a way of controlling your anger when you get angry, that relationship is not going to be a healthy relationship. That relationship, in fact, will be filled with lots of fear and insecurity. For example, I know some dads who love their kids to death. They love their kids with all their heart, but because that dad didn't learn to manage his anger or control his anger in a healthy way, their kids grew up with a lot of fear, a lot of insecurity. It's like they're walking on eggshells, never really sure when dad is going to blow up. And because of that, no matter how much the dad invested in the relationship, no matter how much the dad gave to the kids, because he couldn't manage his anger well, the kids and his relationship with them were not very healthy. And not just that, but the kids end up learning from the dad their way of managing anger and the problem passes on to the next generation generation. And so dads in this place, if you're someone who realized today that sometimes you've got maybe a bit of an anger problem, this message for you today, because you don't want to pass on our mistakes and the ways that we manage anger in inappropriate ways to the next generation. We want to give them a great model for managing anger. Amen. Amen. And so that's what we're talking about today. Would you read with me Proverbs 29, verse 11 together? Read in a big loud voice. 1, 2, 3, it says, A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. Let me ask you this this morning. Is it a sin to get angry? Is it? Is it a sin to have anger? Not necessarily. See, the Bible says, "In your sin, or, in your anger, do not sin." It repeatedly says it. In your anger, do not sin. In other words, it is possible to feel angry without sinning. Jesus felt anger. Jesus expressed anger, but he did so in healthy ways. And so, the goal of anger control that we're talking about today is not that you would never feel anger, which is impossible. It's not that you would never express anger, which is unhealthy. But rather, the goal of anger control that we're talking about today is that when you feel angry, you're able to process that anger in a healthy way. That when you feel angry, you're able to release and express that anger in not a, not a destructive way, but a constructive way if you believe that, say amen. So that's what we're going to talk about today. How do you do that? Generally speaking, I find that people tend to vent their anger in four different styles. And I'm going to describe these four different styles using four animals that you will find in the ocean. These are not angry birds so much as they are more like angry fish, if you will. And my question for you this morning is, which angry fish are you? Turn to and say, which angry fish are you? Which one of these Four styles best describes the way you deal with anger. Let's look at four anger venting styles. Look at number 1 with me. It's the pufferfish. The pufferfish. What is a pufferfish? Well, a pufferfish looks very cute and beautiful in normal, peaceful circumstances, but when a pufferfish ever feels threatened or angry, then in an instant, instantaneously, that pufferfish blows up. And it becomes this attacking fish. It, bego- it goes on the attack. It becomes b- blows up multiple times its original size. Spikes start pr- protruding from its skin. It starts to spew a poison out that is lethal to those around them. In fact, in Japan, apparently it is a delicacy and a bit of a dare, a lethal dare to try to eat one of these puffer fish. And see, some people, they vent their anger like a puffer fish. They express their anger by blowing up. They get loud. They get abrasive. They get aggressive. They cuss, they curse, they scream, they shout, they swear, they do all those things. They might even get violent, they might throw things, you know, hit things, and, and what, what is what's the problem with being a pufferfish? Is that you let go of your anger too quickly is that you don't take the time to process your anger before you express it. And as a result, what happens is if you're a pufferfish, you know this very well, is that after you give full vent to your anger, after you've released your anger so quickly, you might feel better at first, but everyone else around you is hurting. And people are like, Are you okay? Let me wipe the toxin off of your face. Do you need to go to the ICU? Can I take you to the hospital? It's because you've left a path of destruction in your wake. You've done things and said things that you regret and go, Oh my goodness, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Does that describe you today? Are you a pufferfish in this place? Would you nudge the person in your, in, 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 beside you and say, Are you a pufferfish? Are you a puffer fish? Look at Proverbs 29, verse 22. What does it say? Read it. With, read with, what does it say? It says, a hot-tempered man starts fights and gets into all kinds of trouble. This is the first anger venting style. The second anger venting style is called the clam. Everyone say The clam. And see, unlike the clam, unlike the pufferfish, when clams get angry, they don't blow up; they clam up. They instead of letting it out, they hold it in, and they'll be, "Oh, what's wrong? Nothing. I'm fine. I'm fine. No, 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 no. Why, why do you look like I just farted in your face? What's wrong?" And I'm like, "No, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine." But inside, they're not fine. Inside, they're not fine at all. Beneath the shell, anger is stewing. Anger is brewing. Anger is burning ever so slowly and for a very, very long time. See, funny things. I don't know why, but in all our marriage counseling that I've, that I've done with other couples, I find that oftentimes clams marry pufferfish. You don't find that? You guys find that? Yeah? Yeah, you've ever wondered what, what, what kind of uh, you know, fish I married. I married an angelfish. Amen. Amen. All right. She's an angelfish. Almost all of the time. I'm an angel fish some of the time. And that's the way it is. Look at Ephesians 4:26, 27. Read it with me, a big loud voice. 1, 2, 3, it says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. See, what's the problem with being a clam? See, the problem with venting anger like a clam is that you hold your anger in way too long. And not only is that stressful for the people around you who are always wondering and guessing guessing. guessing what's wrong with you, but for as long as you hold in that anger, you've got no peace of mind. You can't enjoy your life. Not only that, according to medical research, when you hang on to anger for any extended period of time, your immune system weakens. You get hypertension. You become at higher risk for things like heart disease, arthritis, joint dysfunction, skin conditions, even cancer. It's no wonder the Bible says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. It's because your body was never meant to hold on to so much anger for so long. And that's why, oftentimes, when clams hold in their anger, Eventually they can't stand it anymore, and they become like delayed reaction pufferfish. They blow up anyways. Amen, amen. And see, that's the second style. Are you a clam? Turn you Say, are you a clam? Are you a clam? Don't point at them, but just yeah. Are you a clam? That's good. Number three. Number number three is the whale in captivity. Who's the whale in captivity? How do you know if you vent anger like a whale in captivity? Well, that's this: is that you express anger primarily through sadness is that you are basically, when people anger you, your primary expression is not to blow up, it's not to clam up, it's to sigh and get sad. It's like you announce this pity party, and all of a sudden you invite your friends and yourself to it. See, in fact, we'll show a picture of a whale in captivity right here. See, a whale in captivity, when you, show, when you are a whale in captivity, in terms of venting anger, you, you'll, you'll often say things like, Yo, why do these bad things always happen to me? You know, why do people keep doing this to me? Why is it always my fault? And it's it's, it's like you're kind of focusing on all the ways that people have been bad to you, the ways you're sad. And though you come across on the surface as if you're just sad, your dorsal fin kind of flopped over, deep down what you're harboring is anger. And what's the danger of being a captive whale when it comes to venting anger? Is that if you don't learn to identify your anger and the source of it, if you don't learn to deal with that anger in a healthy way, it's going to lead you to depression. You become captive to hopelessness and loneliness in your life. You need to find a healthier way. Turn your and say, so you need to find a healthier way. Number four, the fourth style, and this might be you, is The shark. Yes, let's show the shark right now. Can we show the shark right now? Yes, the shark. See, here's the thing. When you upset a shark, how can you tell? Well, you can't really tell at first. But deep down, if you upset a shark, the shark always remembers. The shark is great at holding grudges. In fact, the motto of a shark is, don't get mad, get even. And see, when you offend a shark at first, you think, oh, they're, they're fine, no big deal. But then over time, da-da, da-da, da-da. Uh, all of a sudden, over time, they attack when you least expect it. And oftentimes, the way that a shark attacks isn't very... Passive-aggressive ways, it's like giving you the silent treatment or being very sarcastic in their conversations with you or not responding the way that they used to or gossiping about you behind your back or maybe egging your house when you're sleeping. See, that, that's, that's what a shark does is that they will not try to make it think you make you think that they're hurt, you're hurting them or that they're trying to hurt you, but, the, but they, they calculate ways to hurt you in other indirect passive-aggressive ways. See, what's the problem with venting anger like a shark? is that sharks will often do as much, if not more, damage to others than was done to them. Sharks often think, you I'm just standing up for myself. I'm just standing up for my family. I'm just standing up for the ones I love. But what the shark doesn't realize is that there's a very fine line between protecting and standing up for yourself and those you love and hurting others unnecessarily blowing things up out of proportion you might think oh i'm just taking a stand against evil when in fact if you're not careful you're going to perpetuate that evil see that's the danger of being a shark these are four different anger venting styles let me ask this question which one best describes you which one best describes you? See, you might find that you actually relate to more than one of these, and that's okay. I find I relate to more than one of these. I maybe have a more dominant style, but I can relate to others as well. But let me tell you this today. Regardless of which type you relate to the most, the fact is this. If you don't learn to control your anger, your, your anger is going to control you. And it's going to hurt the people you love. It's going to damage the relationships you care about the most. And that's why we have to get under control when it comes to our anger. If you believe that, say amen. And see, here's the thing. How do you keep your anger under control? Let's look at that right now. See, fortunately, the Bible is filled with great advice on keeping control of your anger. And I want to summarize some of that advice in key number eight to this known and loved relationship series we're doing. Would you write this down? Take some good notes this morning. What is key number eight in our known and loved relationship series? Write this down. To help you control your anger, pray. Pray. Capital P. R-A-Y. Want you write that down? See, today I want to use the acrostic pray to describe really quick four things that you and I can do when we feel angry. Say some, someone says something to you that really offends you. Or say you're in the middle of traffic and someone cuts you off in a dangerous way and you are furious. What can you do? Well, you can pray in the way that we're talking about this morning. See, this process called pray can take you as little as a minute to go through. This process called pray could take a lot longer than that depending on the severity of the situation you're dealing with and how you yourself are feeling. P-R-A-Y. Let's go through each one right now. What does P stand for? P stands for pause and cool down. Turn to your neighbor and say pause and cool down. See, especially if you are a pufferfish, you'll find this is that when you get angry in the heat of the moment, everything in your body wants to lash out and say something. Everything in your body wants to lash out and hit something. But very, very often, it's the decision to act impetuously without thinking that causes us to do stupid things that we will regret later. And all the pufferfish in this place said, Amen, right? Amen. That's right. And see, over time, uh, I've learned this, you know, I, I love to tell you a story. I've never shared this with, with uh, I think, anyone before. And th- thankfully, it's only happened once in my life. But over 10 years ago, my wife and I, we were living in an apartment just a few blocks away from Thrive Church or the, this venue that we're at. And uh, we're living in a condo complex on, uh, on, 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 you know, on, on one of the floors up in the, in the building. And I remember I was going to bed and I went to bed way too late. I didn't go to bed early enough. And I had a very early morning appointment that next morning. I wake up. I accidentally slept in. I was late for the appointment, and all of a sudden, I'm in a panic. And I, I, I rush out the door. I'm, I'm like almost barely half changed. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I haven't brushed my teeth. I, I go into the elevator in a panic, and I look at the time. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm so incredibly late. And then you know, in the frustration, while I was going down the elevator, you know what I did? I took my keys. It was over 10 years ago. I took my keys, and then I threw them down. I slammed them down on the floor because I was so mad at myself. I took my keys. I slammed it down. And you know what? The thing that happened that I didn't expect is that the moment I slammed the keys down on the floor, the fob that I used to go up and down the elevator smashed into pieces. The remote control I used to disarm my car and unlock it smashed into pieces. And all of a sudden, I couldn't go up and down the elevator. All of a sudden, I couldn't get out of my building with the car. All of a sudden, I couldn't even get into my own car. What I had to do, I had to run to the nearest SkyTrain station to get to the meeting, and I ended up being that much later, all because on that day, I didn't control my anger. And because of that, you know what, I learned a couple lessons. The first lesson I learned is, unfortunately, it's only happened once, praise God, but the thing is this, the, the first lesson I learned is this, is you write this down, uncontrolled anger always comes at a high cost. There's always a cost to anger. You can never lose your temper without paying for it in the end. And as satisfying, as as enticing as it might feel to lash out when you feel like it, the price for uncontrolled anger is simply not worth it. Because what happens is when you lose your temper, then things get damaged. Let me say it this way. When my anger's not managed, things get damaged. What things get damaged? Well, sometimes it's actual physical property. But even more, sometimes it's relationships that get damaged when my anger's not managed. Sometimes it's my own health and peace of mind that gets damaged when I don't manage my anger. Sometimes it's my reputation that gets damaged when I don't understand that I need to control and manage my anger. If you believe that, say amen. There's a high price to uncontrolled anger and it is never worth it. Turn in and say, it's never worth it. The, the The second thing I learned in that situation is that when I am in the heat of anger, I'm not thinking straight. I'm not thinking clearly in that moment. And to make any decision in that moment is probably a bad thing. It reminds me of the psalm in Psalm 73 where Asaph, he's the guy who writes Psalm 73, and he says this, he says, When I was grieved and my spirit was embittered, I was like a beast before God. Not beast in terms of, look how strong I am, but a beast in terms of, I was just like not thinking clearly. And that's what happens when you're in the heat of the moment. It's like you're playing one of those games where you got a baseball bat, and you're spinning around it this way ten times, and you're kind of going around. And, and that, that's what anger is like, is that when you're in the heat of the moment, you're not seeing straight, you're not moving straight, you're not operating straight, and it's so, it's, it's so important that you take the time to pause and to cool down. And see, here's the thing, is that I learned this, is that if I had just taken even one minute to pause and cool down when I was in that elevator before giving into anger, man, I would have saved myself and others so much time and trouble, amen. That's why Thomas Jefferson, he's known as one of the greatest presidents of the United States back in the 1800s. He once said this, he said this, when angry, count to 10 before you speak. If very angry, count to 100. And see, here's the thing, is that you might say, oh, that's such kindergarten advice. But the fact is this, is that we all, when in the heat of anger, need to do some simple things just to cool down. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got to chill out. You gotta chill. See, in other words, before you text that person back in anger, before you post that nasty post on social media, before you lash out in that email at that person, pause and cool down. Chill out for a second. Relax. That could mean, you know, in your case, maybe it's road rage. Just park to the side of the road for half a minute and take a few deep breaths. Maybe it's go for a walk or go to the gym and just release some of that frustration. Maybe it's turning on some music that calms you down. Maybe it's going to somewhere private and you can talk to God about what's going on. Maybe it's taking a nap and looking at the situation clearer when you're fresher again. See, what you're doing is you're giving yourself time to pause and to cool down so that you can see the situation a bit more clearly, deal with it more constructively, and not say or do anything that you You're going to later on regret. If this makes sense in this place, say amen. Look at Proverbs 14, 21 with me. What does it say? Read it with me. It says, slowness to anger makes for deep understanding. A quick-tempered person stockpiles stupidity. You got to be patient. You got to pause and cool down. As hard as it is, as much as you want to lash out, you just got to pause and cool down in whatever way works for you. That's what the Bible says. P stands for pause and cool down. What does R stand for? R stands for reflect before you react. Reflect before you react. In other words, think it through before you spew. In other words. Is, you know, my, my natural tendency, if you're wondering, my natural tendency when it comes to anger is actually to be a clam is that I get angry, I feel anger, but I hold it in. I don't release it right away. And that caused a lot of frustration in my marriage with Charlene, especially in the beginning. I had to learn to release anger quickly or more quickly and in a healthier way. And I can tell you this, from a natural-born clam, I can tell this, and maybe some clams can relate to this, is this, is that even for clams, it is possible to hold on to anger without reflecting on it too much. It's possible just to be angry and to stay angry. But you're not really thinking about why you're angry. You're not really reflecting on it. You're just focused on the feeling. But what you need to do if you want to have control over anger is not just hold in that anger, but what you need to do is to try to understand what led to that anger. What caused me to feel the way that I do? And is that feeling even justified? Look at Psalm 4, verse 4. Read it with me in a big, loud voice. 1, 2, 3. It says, In your anger, do not sin. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Would you underline those words? Search your hearts and be silent. What is that? That is reflect before you react. In your anger, don't sin. How, do you, how can you keep yourself from sinning in your anger? Search your heart. Reflect before you react. How do you do that? Well, after you pause and cool down, here are three questions that you can ask yourself. The first question is this. Why am I angry? See, how many of us know this? Is that anger is very much like the tip of an iceberg. And you know how the the iceberg, as big as it looks above the surface there's actually something much, much bigger below the surface. And see, anger is a lot like the tip of the iceberg that you see. It's above the surface, but beneath that, giving rise to that anger, is something else that is a lot bigger underneath. These are what we call the three root causes of anger. And let me give them to you each one by one. What are the three causes of anger, root causes? Very often, you're going to find whenever you're angry, it's because of one of these things. The first one is, the first possible root cause is hurt. It's hurt, is that you feel taken for granted, you feel belittled, you feel disrespected, you feel betrayed, you feel left behind, and it's that hurt that you feel beneath that surface that gives rise to your anger. At the end of the day, it's because you were hurt. There's a second cause for, for, for anger sometimes. It's called frustration. You, know, you, you want things to go a certain way, they're not going the way you want, and you are frustrated. That frustration leads to anger. You wanted the Golden State Warriors to win the NBA championship, but Steph Curry wasn't playing well. T- and Clay Thompson, he was he, he was injured. You know, Kevin Durant was injured. Oh, I'm so frustrated. This wasn't supposed to go this way. Why did the Toronto Raptors win? Haha, the Toronto Raptors win. Yeah, amen. Well, here's the thing: go Canada. Here's the, we the North. But here's the thing: here's the thing, is that sometimes anger is the result of frustration, and if you're a perfectionist, if you're a control freak, if you love to be in control, you're going to find that a lot of your anger will be born out of this reason, out of frustration. There's a third cause to anger sometimes, and it is insecurity, is that deep down you have a fear. It could be a fear of losing someone. It could be a fear of failure. It could be a fear of being hurt. And because deep underneath the surface, there's that fear residing in you, it gives rise to anger. It gives rise to jealous anger sometimes and because there's fear underneath the surface. See, when I'm able to identify the root cause behind why I am angry in a particular situation, you know what happens? I'm better able to understand what's going on. I'm better able to articulate and explain to maybe the person that needs to talk to me about it what is going on. And so instead of going just saying, oh, I'm so angry, I'm furious, what's everyone's problem? Instead of just saying that, try to think of what is really beneath the surface. Try explaining your anger in terms of one of these three root causes. You can say, you know, I feel hurt because you showed up late and you didn't say anything. And when that happened, I felt like you took me for granted and I felt disrespected. You can say it that way. You know, or you say, you know, you know, maybe it's because of frustration. Or oh, I feel frustrated because this is not going the way that I want. I've been working so hard, but still things are not going the way that I want, and that's why I got angry. It was because of frustration. Or you can say, you know, I feel insecure if I had to be really honest, and I feel really scared of failing. I, really scared, I feel scared of disappointing you, and that's why I got upset. That's why I got angry. And see, you're going to find this, is that when you are Kind of in that place of anger, and that person you love is trying to understand where you're coming from. If you will say it in terms of these three root causes, it'll be so much easier for that person to empathize with you. Rather than you just going, oh, I'm so mad, I'm so f- I'm mad, at, I'm mad at everyone, I'm mad at you, I'm mad at you. And, and then they're like, oh, what, what, what did I do wrong? Like, and and you, you, you get, they got on the defensive. What instead, you speak in terms of these three root causes, and they'll be, okay, I can understand a little bit more now. Okay, I get that. And see, it, 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 it lets their guard come down. It helps you to resolve the issue more quickly. See, here's another thing, is when someone else is angry with you, when someone else is, you know, being really, really difficult, you can ask yourself, okay, is it one of these three things? Is it because they're hurt? Is it because they're frustrated? Is it because they feel a bit insecure or fearful about something? That's the first question you want to ask yourself, is why am I angry? Is this helpful in this place this morning? Here's a second question you can ask yourself to reflect before you react. The second question is, is, do I have a right to be angry? In other words, do I have all my facts straight? See, have you ever gotten mad at someone only to find that you had misunderstood the situation? You jumped to conclusions and you got mad and only later you're like, oops, oh, I didn't know, sorry. Has that ever happened to you before? See, that's because you didn't have your facts straight yet. And see, to avoid jumping to conclusions, you got to ask yourself, am I understanding the situation fully and thoroughly? Is my anger justified based on all the facts? Proverbs 18, 13, the verse we've been looking at, perhaps more than any other verse in a relationship series, is kind of funny, but let's read it again. What does it say? It says, what a shame. Yes, how stupid to decide before knowing the facts. You want to understand the situation thoroughly before you angrily jump to a conclusion. Third question you want to ask yourself is, ask yourself, will Will this matter tomorrow will this still matter 24 hours from now or 48 hours from now, or even a year from now will this still matter see if it's not going to matter 24 hours from now if it's not going to make a difference anywhere from now on if, it, if you're never going to see that car or that driver again maybe the best thing is to just let it go see what are you doing you're reflecting before you're reacting. You're processing your anger before you're expressing your anger. And if you do that, you'll save yourself so much trouble. If you believe that, say amen. Here's one, th- one other thing that I'll, I'll, I'll let you know too, too is that to reflect on your anger, sometimes I find it helps to write it out and to talk it out. I, I, I find it for myself is that, you know, when I, whenever I'm really angry, it's like a slow burn. Sometimes what I'll do is it really helps me to, to write it out. What this, why am I angry? Like, what is the thing that's causing me to be angry? And I'll write it out as a prayer to God. I'll say, Father, I'm really frustrated today because of this and that and this and that. And as I'm writing it out, I feel like my mind is getting a bit more clarity on what the situation is and what I need to do. In fact, it reminds me of a, a quote by Dawson Trotman, who's the, who, who's the one who started a, a, a Christian group called The Navigators. He says this, and I think it's brilliant. It says this. He says, thoughts disentangle themselves as they pass through the lips and the fingertips. Isn't that good? Thoughts disentangle themselves as you speak about them and as you write about them. And so if you find that you have a tough time reflecting on your anger, maybe you want to do this is send an email, but don't send it. Write a, draft, a, draft a letter, but don't send it. You know, draft a letter to God and write it as a prayer, because what you're doing is you're disentangling your thoughts, you're reflecting on your anger. Turn your neighbor and say, reflect before you react. All right, a. A. We're going to go really quickly through this one. A stands for anchor your hope and your identity in God's love for you. After you've paused and cooled down, after you've reflected before you react, anchor your hope and your identity in God's love for you. See, when we're angry, I find this is that our world is a bit shaken. We're not seeing straight, and we just feel like things are really shaky. We're not thinking straight very much. And the Bible says that when our world is shaken— God is the one who holds our lives together. It says that over and over in different ways. And here's one verse where it talks about that. Look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. Would you read it with me in a big, loud voice? One, two, three, it says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. See, what it's talking about? See, this verse is talking about the hope we have because God loved us and sent Jesus Christ for us. Would you tell your neighbor and say, God loves you? God loves you. How do I know that? How do I know that God loves you? Because it sounds good, because it's wishful thinking? No, it's because when we had sinned against God, when we had triggered God's wrath and anger because we decided to do things our way and not God's way, when we had disqualified ourselves from having anything to do with God because of our sin, God didn't say, forget it, I want a divorce. He didn't say, forget it, I want nothing to do with you. Instead, he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins so that all the wrath that he felt toward our sin, he placed that wrath on Jesus Christ so that our sins could be forgiven. God let go of his anger. He didn't hold it in. Instead, he placed it on Jesus Christ so that you and I could be forgiven. And see, all of the anger, all of that wrath that God felt toward us, he placed it on Jesus. That way, he wouldn't be angry with us anymore, and instead, he could have a relationship with us. Before, we were far from God, but through Jesus Christ, we have brought near. Before, we were enemies of God, but now through Jesus we can be called friends of God. Before we were condemned because of our sin, but because of Jesus, now we are forgiven, we're clean, we're accepted, we're included because before we were spiritual orphans, but because of Jesus Christ, we're now children of God living in God's family. Come on, give God a big, big hand, a big shout in this place together right now. And see, because of Jesus, we can say that God's anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. See, if you look at 1 John verse 3, chapter 3, verse 1. What does it say? It says, read it with me. It says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. See, let me ask you this question. A stands for anchor your hope and identity in God's love for you. How do you do that? Well, let me just tell you really quickly, one quick way you can do that, is that whenever you feel angry, whenever there's something that's really upsetting you, do what I call the hope in. Everyone say the hope in. Is that whenever you think of a situation that's making you angry or upset, you can say this to yourself. You can say, God, my hope is not in X, whatever's upsetting you. My hope is in you. And see, so for example, when someone dangerously cuts you off on Granville Street, You honk at them and they give you the finger back. You can say, God, my hope is not in what that person thinks of me. My hope is what you think of me. Amen. When someone says something mean to you, is really offensive in what they say to you, you can say, God, my hope is not in what that person says. My hope is in what you say about me. You know, when things don't go the way you want and you're frustrated, you can say, God, my hope is not in my own plans. My hope is not in my own ability to figure things out. My hope is in you because you are a good, good father who loves me and has got good plans for me. Come on, give God a big, big hand if you believe that right now. And see, what are you doing when you do that? When you do that, when you're doing the hope in, you are anchoring your hope and your identity in God's love for you. You are reminding yourself of who you are in God such that you're on the road and you've got road rage. You can be like, what am I doing? Dude, I'm a child of God. I am loved by God. Even if this guy thinks that he's got the better hand on, on the road with, against me, what is that what's that to me? I've got everything that I need. God loves me just the way that I are just the way that I am and what you're doing is you are anchoring your hope in God once again. you're kind of stabilizing yourself. At the same time what you're doing is you are right sizing the situation that's making you angry. You are putting it into perspective. This is actually not that big a deal because when you put your anchor in God because, of, because he's your hope and he defines your identity, you're going to be reminded that in this tough situation, God's grace is sufficient for me. That in this tough situation, I don't need to be so worked up because God's love is bigger and he's going to help me through the situation I'm going through. When you anchor yourself in God's love, whatever happened that made you angry, you can say it doesn't change the most important things. God is for me and not against me. And so I can be at peace today. I don't need to stoop down to the level of a shark because I'm made in the image of God. I'm not a shark. I'm a child of God. I'm loved by God. I'm protected by God. I've got the favor of God. So who cares if he cut me off? The fact is I am blessed beyond belief. Amen. I've got everything I need. Turn to me and say, you got everything you need. You're going to find that when your hope and your identity are anchored in something other than God's love for you, you're going to be easily angered a lot. If your hope is in money, if your hope is in good looks, if your hope is in what people say about you, if your hope is in how many likes you get on social media, you're going to find you get frustrated a lot. You get hurt a lot. But when you anchor your hope and your identity in Jesus, you have an anchor for your soul, firm and secure, that's not easily shaken. Amen. Amen. Last point, and we're going to close today. Why is for yield to God's leading. Yield to God's leading. See, what does that mean? Let me give you a definition for yield to God's leading. See, to yield to God's leading means to surrender the situation to God and to respond in a way that glorifies him. It's to say, God, I give you the situation, I ask you for help, and I want to honor you in the way that I handle myself in this situation. Look at Psalm 139, verses 23 to 24. Read it with me, big loud voice. What does it say? It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. If you have your Bibles open to that, would you underline these words? Lead me in the way everlasting. See, when we're angry and in the heat of the moment, I find that oftentimes we're just thinking about how we feel, how hurt we are, how how frustrated we are, and we just want to do whatever's based on what we feel. But a wise person asks, God, what do you want me to do about this? See, God wants to, in fact, lead you and help you in those situations when you feel the most angry. He's the God who says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. See, when you yield to God's leading and you respond in a way that glorifies Him, you have an opportunity to move that relationship that's not going well forward. You grow as a disciple of Jesus, you mature as a person, you reflect God's love and peace and wisdom to people who desperately need it. And so, before you you release that anger. Ask God, God, what do you want me to do with this anger? What do you want me to do with it? And humbly do the thing you think is going to best honor God in that situation. In some cases, yielding to God's leading is about, okay, I'm going I'm to have a talk with that person. And you know, I want to make sure i got my facts straight and if necessary, I'm going to speak up about this. I'm going to stand up for myself. I'm going to stand up for others. In which case, you want to check out you know how to resolve conflict the smart way. We talked about that in week two. Week two of our Known and Love series, you want to check out that message. In in some cases, it's about speaking up and trying to resolve the conflict face to face. In other cases, yielding to God's leading will be about just letting it go. Don't worry about it. You're not going to see that person again. Just let it go. Move on. Forgive. Don't stoop down to their level. Just keep going the way you're going. Learn to forgive. Don't worry about it so much. Romans 12, 17, 21 says it this way. Read it with me in a big loud voice. It says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, keep on going. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you put, will heap burning coals on his head. Last verse, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, what are these verses talking about? They're saying that in those times when you're so angry and you want to get back at the person who hurt you, you got to realize something. Realize that the cost of revenge is never worth it. It's not going to make you feel better to get that revenge. As much as Hollywood glorifies revenge, the fact is revenge is never worth it. Learn instead to forgive. Let go of that because for as long as you hold the grudge, that person still has control over you. That person may be dead already and they're still controlling you from the grave for as long as you hold that grudge. But if you would learn to let go and forgive, then you can move on to something better that God has for you. See, some of you here in this place, you are holding on to some anger in your life. And you've been doing this for so long that it is killing you emotionally, let alone physically. And hanging on to that anger, it's like a slow form of attempted suicide because it's killing you without you even knowing it. You need to find a better way to deal with anger. Look at Ephesians 4, 31 to 32. It's our last verse for today. Read it with me, a big loud voice. 1, 2, 3. It says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. You know, this verse reminds us that as part of yielding to God's leading, always remember to practice empathy with the person that you're mad at. Everyone say empathy. Try to look past that person's behavior to that person's pain. Because here's the thing, hurt people hurt people. Is that the reason why sometimes people are so offensive, so angry, you know, so hurtful in the things they say and do is because they themselves have been hurt badly in the past. And sometimes they don't even know it, but that's just how they operate. Hurt people hurt people. And if you would understand that, if you would empathize with that, you can kind of move on in a much better and healthier way. Well, today, real quick, we didn't have a whole lot of time, but hopefully that was real helpful for all of you today. Today, if you want to learn to control your anger, you need to pray. What does pray stand for? Read it with me. P stands for pause and cool down. R stands for reflect before you react. A stands for anchor your hope and identity in God's love for you. Y stands for yield to God's leading. Finally, if you're here and you find that you have an anger problem that is habitual, it's ongoing, and you're sometimes not even sure, no matter how much you reflect why you are as mad as you are all the time, then I'm going to encourage you to get help. Because it may be something where you need the help of a counselor to help you through those kind of things. If you are someone who's being abused by someone who has a major anger problem, then you need to get help. Don't just stay there by yourself in that place, but get the help that you need. See someone about it. Talk to a counselor about it. Talk to someone about it because you were not meant to be controlled by anger. Amen. Could uh, uh, Could you stand up to your feet, church? Would you turn your neighbors on your right and your left? Give them a high five and say, let's get it under control. Let's get it under control. Let's get under Crom the team, the band to lead us in the song.